Hey friends, I'm Becky Davidson. Welcome to the Rising Above Ministries podcast, where we share stories of hope, inspiration, and encouragement from special needs families from around the world. We have new family downloads available for the month of June that go along with our theme of restoration. So be sure to go check them out on the Rising Above app or website. Also, don't forget our Buy the Brook event for moms of individuals with special needs is coming up later this month on June 24th and 25th. And moms, you don't want to miss out. So go get signed up. Again, you can go to the Rising Above app or to the website and find out all of the information that you need. You're going to want to be part of this weekend. So be sure to go find out more information about this event that we are planning just for you. My guest today is joining us all the way from Australia. Meredith Swift resides in the city of Townsville in beautiful tropical far north Queensland. She's the mom to her 27-year-old daughter, Sarah, who has nonverbal autism. Meredith is a writer who has a new book out to encourage special needs parents called How Do I Do This? The Raw and Real Truth About Raising a Child with Special Needs. Meredith says that her hope is that her books give encouragement and healing and help people know they are not alone on their path. I loved getting to meet Meredith and I know that you will as well. Hey, Meredith, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to get to meet you and hear about you and your your story. And you're joining us all the way from Australia. So thank you for being here today. Thank you, Becky. I'm really pleased to be here. Um, it's, a, it's a bit early here in the morning, but that's okay. Yeah, and it's just wonderful that we can be connected like this. It's, it's pretty amazing. I mean, we were just talking about that it's, it is about 2.30 in the afternoon on a Tuesday mm-hmm. where I live, but it's 5.30 a.m. <laughs> on Wednesday in Australia. So you are up bright and early bright to and have early. this conversation. Yeah, the birds haven't even started yet. <laughs> yeah, the birds haven't even started yet. You were up before the birds. Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Well, I appreciate so much you taking the time to be here. And, you know, I would just, I would love for our listeners to hear a little bit about you and uh, your life in Australia. Yeah. Uh, well, I live in a beautiful part of Australia uh, called Far North Queensland. I live in a, a city called Townsville, which has lots of beautiful trees and it's very tropical weather. So we're really blessed with our climate here. Uh, but I grew up on a farm uh, in another part of Australia, a sheep and dairy farm, mm. and uh, had a mum and a dad and two brothers, two sisters. Uh, and uh, as, I, as I grew, you know, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do uh, with my life. And eventually I trained to become a kindergarten teacher. And I ended up uh, getting married when I was 34 and having two beautiful daughters. And the eldest of my two daughters, uh, her name is Sarah, she was born with quite uh, significant uh, challenges. She was born Mm -hmm. in fetal distress, so they had to uh, get her out very quickly. And uh, she's now 27 years old uh, and uh, nonverbal, uh, autistic, uh, with a lot of uh, sensory challenges, um, 
But in Australia here, we have something called the National Disability Insurance Scheme. So that means that the government will fund people with disabilities to live in their own home uh, and be supported wow. 24 hours a day if necessary uh, by a team of, of support staff, always the same team, which is really great. Uh, and so yes. that's Sarah. She has her own uh, place where she lives and, yeah, she's doing really well. So uh, that's my, my testimony in a, a nutshell. Uh, the other very important part to add with my, my story is that I did not become uh, a Christian until I was 50 years of age. So I'm 62 now and I became born again at age 50 and that really uh, just changed the whole trajectory of my life and, and the way yeah. that... Uh, the way that, you know, I am with Sarah, I, ha I had a very abusive marriage as well. And so God helped deliver me from that. Well, God did deliver me from that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, you've been on this journey. She's 27. Yes. And so you've been on this special special needs parenting journey for quite a while. Yeah. And um, just like I have, my son's 24. And so, you know, it seems like... Uh, you know, we're, we're the veterans of the group. It feels like, you know, cause we've been at this for a long time, but when, you know, when you think back to those early years, it sounds like she had a stressful, you had a stressful delivery and, you know, all those things that, you know, when you go into have your child, so often we have these visions of what we think that's going to look like and how the delivery is going to go and how, you know, the, the baby's going to be perfect and everything's going to be great. Exactly. But that was not your story. And so how did you, as a young mom, handle that? What was that like for you? Uh, well, for a start with the delivery, it's very true what you, you say, because I did the, um, you know, I did prenatal classes and they never mentioned anything about if your baby's in distress or about cesareans, because I ended up having a cesarean birth. Uh, and really, I think that that was like the first shock, like that was a hard thing to come to terms with in itself, the delivery. And then Sarah appeared to be um, okay, uh, but, you know, as you know, she being my first child too, I didn't really have, I didn't really have any other children to compare her, um, her development with, but as she grew, you know, from what she was a very fussy baby. She had a lot of colic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, she didn't sleep very well at all. Um, and from about, I'd say, really a couple of months old, I thought there was something that was not quite right with Sarah. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't look at me. She didn't have eye contact at all. Uh, but I, I went to one of the major hospitals where I was living and they did a lot of tests and said, no, everything's fine. Um, but as Sarah grew, um, it was very obvious that, yeah, she wasn't hitting her milestones. She wasn't walking. She didn't walk mm -hmm. until she was two and a half. Um, and, you know, then finally when she was three, we, we started getting some help as in uh, early intervention. Mm -hmm. uh, and also back in those days, uh, which was the 1990s, autism for girls especially was really unheard yeah. of. Like in mm -hmm. those days, there were very few children who were uh, diagnosed as autism. Autism was largely unknown, I might say. Yeah. 
so yeah it was it was it was very challenging because I knew within myself there was something Sarah needed a lot of help with but on another level I just really didn't know much about autism or really what I was dealing with yeah that that's very similar to our journey that's you know a lot of those same things of just every, you know if thought other than we our pregnancy we thought everything was perfectly fine he was born we thought everything was fine everything was normal but the, just the eye contact, the lack of eye contact, even as a baby, you know, mm-hmm. just all those things. And you start as a, as that young mom, when you don't have another child to compare your child to, yeah. uh, you, you just are really not sure. And so I know uh, that can be such a struggle as you, you start trying to unpack all that and then what it's going to mean mm. for your family. And, you know, so let's talk a little bit about parenting through those different stages. Yeah. You know, you, um, you know, we know what it's like when you, when you're doing the early intervention and you're just starting and starting all those therapies and how did things grow and progress with her over the years? Okay. Oh, there's so much <laughs> that, that, you know, that I did with Sarah, but, you know, the early intervention was really the first starting point because um, it was a wonderful small uh little group that Sarah was in, but there was five children and the teachers were wonderful. And I, like back in those days, we didn't have a car. Um, so I used to catch the bus and I was able to stay with Sarah for those, used to be two hours, a couple of times a week. And the teachers really helped me to start to understand what some of Sarah's challenges might be. So um, we started on the road of all the different therapies. So speech therapy, um, mm-hmm. you know, because Sarah, she was saying a few words, but uh, she lost most of her speech by the time she was three. Uh, and so speech therapy was a big thing, you know, um, trying to get Sarah to um, do things. So, for instance, with my younger daughter, she would just pick up on how to do things. She seemed to be able to copy and and do things. But with Sarah, it had to be really intensive. So. Anything that the speech therapist said to do, I had to do it at home with her. And then occupational therapy. So we used to have uh, two beautiful therapists would come to our home and uh, they would, you know, teach Sarah lots of different play skills. It was all learning through play. Uh, And then so occupational speech therapies, really they were the most constant. But then I went down the alternative um, like nutrition route as well. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, I did, started doing a lot of reading about the gut and the gut mm-hmm. health. And back in those days, again, there was really nothing. But but the internet was basically not there. Yeah. I mean, didn't you feel like like we were having to do all this research, but we had no tools? Yes, exactly. To find information. Exactly. Yeah, that's seems, how we were. Too. It seems staggering now to think that that was how yeah. it was, but it really was. And yeah. When, it was. You know, when I looked at all the other children in Sarah's early intervention group, they all had gut issues. They all mm. like had terrible earaches. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I just thought there's got to be some sort of connection here between the gut and the brain. So I did a lot of research about that and changed Sarah's diet, you know, but um, a lot of it was hit and miss. I have to say, like, I'd try something um, mm-hmm. and yeah, just especially with the nutrition and spending so much money yeah. and so forth. Um, 
Yeah, but speech and occupational therapy, though, were the two constants uh, and getting Sarah into um, a really good school was a really important aspect. And, and, you know, my family, I had a very troubled marriage and we moved a lot, but we ended up being somewhere where they had a fantastic inclusion uh, policy in the school. So Sarah had her own teacher's aide in a mainstream classroom and and that was one that whole class just involved Sarah in everything. The kids would take turns reading with her, playing with her. Um, yeah, so therapies, many many therapies. Um, but yeah, consistency was the most thing, the most important thing, and a good school. Yeah, and yeah, but but lots of grief to grapple with all at the same time. Yeah. I think the grief. I don't think yeah. it's really ever gone away. The grief yeah. and the loss. Yeah. 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 And I think it's something we deal with over and over again. I think that's something that people don't quite understand. Um, anytime there's a missed milestone or mm-hmm. um, like I, I had a friend who um, their son got married this past weekend and as happy as you are for them, mm-hmm. you know, that's not going to be part of your story. Yes. And, you know, so you grieve that, you know, and so what, what are some of the things that you have grieved along the journey? Oh, there's just so many. Um, So even very simple things like being able to go to the park and play Mm -hmm. on the playground equipment, Um, you know, because Sarah has so many sensory challenges. So being outdoors was always a a struggle for her. So grieving just that normalcy of being able to to pick up your kids and and just go somewhere, like go to a, 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 you know, a music festival or, um, you know, yeah. all different sort of public things where you see families enjoying themselves and, you know, you can just have a lovely relaxing time. We could never have that with Sarah because of her amount of challenges and the unpredictability. Um, things like being invited to parties, birthday parties. Sarah was invited to some parties, but, you know, mostly not. And, she always struggled with having birthday parties of her own. So mm-hmm. she would hide in the bathroom if we, yeah. you know, yeah. because it was just so yeah. overwhelming for her. Too mad. You know, yes. um, graduation from high school, she went to a graduation ceremony. It was extremely stressful for her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, boyfriends and girlfriends, you know, that first, the teenage heartbreak, you know, Sarah never experienced that. And one of her dearest wishes, is to have a boyfriend, you know. Mm. Um, yeah. But, you know, you, you you grieve that loss of potential grandchildren, yeah. you know. There's this so much, like, yeah. so many grieve the loss of hearing Sarah's voice, mm-hmm. you know, because she yeah. doesn't speak. Um, I, I get that so well. Yeah. I know I know what you mean. And, you know, one of the things that that my late husband and I, Try to tried to learn to do was to see the flip side yeah. in those things. So when, you know, we looked at, okay, our son's not going to be able to drive. Yes. Well, the flip side of that is he's not going to ever wreck a car because he's not going to drive. So did you in time learn to see the flip side yeah. Yeah. through all of the grief in certain situations? Yeah, definitely. You know, things like drug and alcohol struggles, Sarah never has had that. She never will, you know. Right. Um, right. Things like unsafe, risky behaviours. Sarah will never mm-hmm. be in an unsafe situation. She has round-the-clock care. 
Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the flip side of it. And, and now that she's left home, you know, I, I feel like I know her. I'm getting to know her better than I mm-hmm. did before and just seeing her beautiful personality come out, you know, without all that, the caring stress, you know, I can just be a mum and just yeah. really get to know her and that that's just an amazing blessing seeing her as a young woman in her own place and, you know, um, and just finding out her quirkiness, like she's got a great sense of humour, you know, so to appreciate that. Um, Yeah, the the flip side, yeah, and just coming to terms with the fact that she is perfect in God's eyes, you know. Yes. That um, she's fearfully and wonderfully made. She has a disability, but she is fearfully and wonderfully made and that that's yeah, and it's very emotional when you think of it, you know, like that God doesn't make mistakes, you know. She's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. What is it you love most about her? Now that she's, you know, she's a, a young, 27 years old. Yeah. She's, you know, living um, with care, but outside the home. So when you look at things now, what is something about her that you just love the most about her and her life? Yeah, oh, I really love her sense of humor. Um mm-hmm. She's just like she she searches TikTok and, and finds these really humorous things and, you know, she loves it when we crack jokes with her and, you know, give her some good-natured teasing. And um, so I really, really love that aspect of her, uh, her sense of humour. And uh, yeah. just she's very, very sensitive, you know, so she can pick up on people's emotions very, very quickly. So I really admire that about her and I love that about her, that she is so sensitive and she can read a room of people. Mm. Not that we ever have too many people at once now around her, but, yeah, so it's like, you know, she teaches people around her to really be uh, authentic but, you know, to, to just be in the moment with her not have all that baggage swirling around in their minds when they're supporting Sarah. Yeah, so does that make sense at all? Yeah, that does make sense. So I know, Meredith, that you have written some books. You're an author. Yes, I am. And um, we're going to talk about some of the things that you've written and about a new book that you have out. But I did some research on you, and I know that you've faced some additional challenges in your life in addition to uh, being a mom of a child with special needs. And you've mentioned a little bit about that here. But is there anything else you would like to share about some of the things that you faced in your life, but then how God has restored and redeemed you mm. through that. Mm. Yeah, well, I think the most the most uh, important or the biggest thing in my life that really God redeemed for me was my very troubled marriage. So uh, I was married to a man who had a lot of struggles with drug and alcohol abuse and when I look at him now, and I, I actually have no contact with him anymore, he doesn't choose to see our children at all, but I, I look at him and I, I believe he's very much undiagnosed autistic himself, um, mm. but very violent man, um, very itinerant, like couldn't hold down a job. We moved a lot. Uh, and when I became born again, I used to walk on the beach um, because we lived on a, near a beautiful beach and I would talk to God and I would say, look, can you make me into the wife my husband needs? You know, because I'd left and left the marriage many times, but he would always track 
track me down and, um, yeah, so it was very hard to stay out of the marriage and I, I just thought, look, you know, this is my life, you know, I've got to get used to this. God, can you help me? Can you make me into the wife my husband needs? Uh, and as it turned out, long story short, um, on a very, oh, it was a very distressing night where my husband had like basically a cocktail of painkillers, alcohol and marijuana. He, uh, you know, was very, um, oh, I can't even describe it. He, he yeah, I, I knew that the night wasn't going to end well and, you know, that he had great potential of hurting not just me but my daughters, our daughters. And uh, he ended up hitting me um, in the face and as, as my face, I can see it in slow motion now when I talk about it, it's like my face exploded and I heard God speak but it was like a voice that was just as loud as thunder, not, not the still small voice. It was so loud and God said, this stops now. Mm. And I remember things slowing down and I turned and ran down the stairs to my neighbour's house and long story short, again, the, the police came and took my girls and myself to a refuge and um, really that was the turning point for me that God delivered me from that marriage and it took another five years but I did end up getting divorced and, yeah, my my ex-husband chose not to see his daughters and really um, for Sarah especially, um, she stopped wanting to see her dad at about the same time as well because he would say very just awful things about her, like, you know, that I was wasting my time trying to care for her, um, trying to find different therapies for her um, and just, yeah, there was a lot of stuff there which was very hurtful and so, yeah, the, the you know, that was the main thing that God redeemed me from, that the marriage and the pain of that marriage mm-hmm. because I never thought that I would get divorced um, mm-hmm. but God does not condone abuse, especially right. abuse in a marriage, you know. Um, the husband's to be the protector and the provider mm-hmm. in a marriage and look after his family. And my ex was just not capable of that and would not do that. So, And I'm sure that was such a challenging season. Like I can't even imagine mm-hmm. how hard that had to be for you. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure there were moments that um, like, like the big moment that you shared where God showed up in such big, huge and real oh, ways yes, yes. to guide you on this path that he had you on. Yes. Yes. It was just really, it's like a defining moment to, to have that experience with God and to know that he, you know, he's there in that sort of way, that personal way. That he, he saw you, you weren't alone. He saw you um, and was helping you. And, um, you know, but, and, and, you know, that kind of uh, your story then when you can use your story to then impact other lives, it's so huge. And that's kind of part of this new project that you have out um, called, how do I do this? The real and raw truth about raising a child with special needs. And it's, different interviews that you did with parents. Yes. I mean, and just different, all different kinds of diagnosis, all different kinds of backgrounds. And so share your heart behind this project and why you wanted to write this book. Yeah. 
Well, I found in my life that the books that I've written, I've written four books now, and God has used different parts of my life. He's worked through me to write these books, I believe. So like the first book I wrote was about a, a part of a journey I had with Sarah when Sarah was very sick, and that was hearing from Jesus and the conversations we would have. And the second book was my testimony. The third book was, was a devotional about domestic violence, um, women in domestic violence, so a devotional about that. And the fourth book was um, my journey with Sarah uh, and other parents. So the way that it happened was I knew that God wanted me to write a book about my journey with Sarah, but because it was so emotional for me, I just kept resisting, resisting. And um, the beauty of the internet, because having written that book, there's been quite a few years that we've had the internet available. And I've, with that book, with my new book, God has gone ahead and prepared the way. So all of the people in the book, all of the, the people that I interviewed, I already had connections with via Facebook and um, I had a little group, a, a parent group that I would, you know, people would touch base with me and, you know, we'd talk to each other on Facebook. So God put it in my heart that I would that I wouldn't have to have the book solely about Sarah. I wouldn't have to unpack everything because it's just too emotional. It still is, mm-hmm. but right. He put it into my heart that I could make it one part of the book, and I could share stories with other people. And one of my dearest friends, her son, very much like Sarah, um, non-verbal autistic, and we were actually in an airport. And we were talking about, you know, our children and, and she was the one also and God, you know, God works through people and places. She said to me, oh, why don't you write a book about all the people, you know, who've got special needs children? Because I knew so many, both in the flesh and on, in Facebook. I just, it was, right. there was probably 50 parents that I knew. So um, I brainstormed it all in, in, on, the, on the, the flight home, wrote it all down um, about, you know, the people I knew and so forth. And by the time I got off that plane two hours later, I had the name, the name of the book. I had the rough outline. And, and that 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 seems to be how God wow. works with me with my writing. Yeah. He seems to download things quite quickly. Um, and the book really came together quite, um, it was very emotional still, but it came together quite easily. And so I thought, well, I want to show what it's like for parents at every stage. So there's the youngest mm. child in the book is seven and the oldest is in their late 50s. So mm. it's every single stage yeah. of the parenting journey and it was this, a series of questions that I asked each person. So the same questions but their voice, their, you know, their mm. answers. And so that's really... And at the different stages, at the different stages on the journey yeah. because you've had different, all different... Yeah stages represented yeah, exactly yeah. so yeah ask them all the same questions you know like therapies you know the grief aspect their faith um you know the, the diagnosis of the child the child's challenges yeah the whole thing really i look at it, i think it, it's just like it wrote itself basically i just put it all together you know well and so when you, you got to meet all these different parents mm. and hear their stories and so what is something that you learned from these brave parents who were willing to share their stories with you? Um, I think that, that 
the hope and the love always shone through and the resilience, how having yeah. a child with special needs, it builds in you this very special kind of resilience because you constantly, no matter what age for your child, you're constantly having to advocate in some way for mm -hmm. them and you, you, you can't, uh, you can't wallow for too long, if that makes sense. Right. It's like you just no, got to yes. keep on going. And often it's just so exhausting. So that was a common theme of the book. A lot of the parents, very exhausted, but, you know, mm -hmm. God gives us strength and yes. we keep going. And and that mm -hmm. that's really, you know, and, and that shines through just the hope and the love, the resilience. Um, and that can give other parents strength, you know, like if I talk to someone, another parent, and we're really able to be honest with each other about the struggles and the joys, that really helped. And I think that's what the book has captured, that honesty uh, as well, you know, that this is this is the real truth, but there is always hope. There's always the love you have. It's a special, different kind of love that mm -hmm. is there. Uh, and yeah, I think that's what comes through in the book. It now is your book available on Amazon? Yes, is yes, that, it is. Okay, yes. great. Okay, yes. So we'll be sure to include um, links in the show notes so people can find your different writings. And um, you know, it's always I love I love when I can hear someone's story. Yes, because it helps me understand them and the way they respond to things, the way they react with me that, you know, I just, I think stories are so powerful. Yes. And I think it helps us be able to connect with people oh, on yes. such a deeper level. Yes. So, yes. Um, and it, it helps us, it, it brings us out of that isolation that so often can be part of a journey with a child with special needs, you know, you do need a community, you do need other people on this journey. It's so isolating it can be you know there can be a lot of shame uh, I felt a lot of shame with Sarah but yeah you know part of the yeah. journey was you know was it my fault that Sarah was the way she she is you know yeah. was it was it my fault because I was in an abusive marriage but I also found doing the book very healing because our special children come from all sorts of backgrounds you know very happy marriages some you know divorced couples you know it, it it's you know didn't seem to have too much of a bearing on, you know, why, you know, Sarah had special needs. So mm -hmm. um, that was very encouraging. So that breaks us out of that isolation that, you know, can be part of the journey mm -hmm. if you allow it. So, yes, yeah. totally. Yeah. Well, I know one of the things you wanted to make sure that we got to talk about in this conversation is about the role that the church can have in welcoming special needs yes. children and families into their congregation. Yes. So what's your experience been yeah. uh, with church along the journey? What are some of the good experiences that you've had? And unfortunately, we've all had some things that haven't gone <laughs> quite so right. Yeah. But what have you seen that's been done right in your story? And then what are some things that maybe could have been done a little better? Yeah. So the thing that's definitely been done right um, uh, is having a church community that involves your child. So, you know, I had a, a beautiful little church I used to go to, but I had to move away from that church because I had to move to a different place, a different city to access better services for Sarah. 
But this little church was like a family. There was probably about 40 of us in the church and we would have a lot of social functions and everybody um, included Sarah. They all knew what her warning signs were when she needed to leave. So she would start to pick at herself and her lip would go a bit flat and everyone would know that, yeah, Sarah had as much as she could cope with and she would leave. Mm -hmm. We would have to leave. But they accepted her as she as she is, as she was. Um, and that church had uh, beautiful music but but very good lighting. You know, like there weren't a lot of flashing lights and um, there weren't any flashing lights in actual fact. There weren't any hugely, um, it wasn't a loud church in that there wasn't electrical music. It was all very mm-hmm. traditional um, and Sarah really thrived there. You know, it was very difficult to leave that place. Um, but the next church that we went to was, um, yeah, it was a bigger church and very dark, a lot of flashing lights, which Sarah didn't cope with at all. And mm-hmm. people didn't know how to cope with Sarah, you know, like there wasn't any welcoming, you know, it was very much, yeah, very standoffish and that really hurt mm-hmm. That so yeah. needless to say, I only went to that church with Sarah once, um, uh, and yeah. So the, the things that the church do well um, with people with autism, in my experience, is to be aware of the lighting and how that can be very much a sensory overload. To be mm-hmm. really like Jesus was and just accept our people with special needs. You know, ask the parents, "What can we do to help you? How can we?" Include Sarah, what are Sarah's challenges? So, you know, taking that time to get to know and value Sarah as a person rather than just uh, really looking at her as something less, which is what I experienced mm-hmm. with that larger church. Which was, mm-hmm. That was yeah. very, that was very difficult, you know. So Sarah doesn't go, she doesn't go to church at the moment. Um, but yeah, I'm hoping that she will again want to go yeah. back. Yeah. And when we have people, regardless of if it's in church, out of church, where wherever it is, when we have people in our lives who want to know about our kids, yeah. who want to know how they can come alongside us and help us and yeah. do life with us. Oh my goodness. Is that not life giving yes. to us as parents? Yeah. And, uh, Let's just know we are seen and loved and valued. Yes. And, uh, yes. You know, well, Meredith, our theme this year at Rising Above is restoration. Yes. And so we're talking about different ways that God is bringing restoration into our lives. Mm. And so, what are some things you are personally doing right now that is allowing God to bring restoration into your life? Well, it, it's, it's, Interesting and amazing that that is the theme because this year it's very much been like that for me. Um, God has given me beauty for ashes in so many areas of my life and with Sarah especially, just the relationship that we have as mother and daughter is becoming richer and deeper. Um, God has given me the most beautiful new home as well this year, he has given me a, a, a foundation that is just such a thing of beauty that came to me so easily because we have a housing crisis where I live and 
this house basically mm-hmm. was God's blessing direct to me, so easy. Um, this year I've been um, trying to have one day a week like a Sabbath day where I just rest and yeah. don't do anything much, you know, at all, just really, mm-hmm. really rest. Um, and just overall in general, yeah, God is, is he's showing me that it's okay to rest and mm-hmm. that in that resting he can restore things, that I don't have, yeah. have to keep striving. I don't, yes. like with Sarah, yeah. you know, I used to feel like I had to fix Sarah's autism, mm-hmm. whereas I've come to a whole different realisation of what, how beautiful autism can be, like yeah. just the giftings that it gives. It, it, people with autism are very unusual, you know, and mm-hmm. I think learning to tap into what their giftings are will enrich us so much. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been an amazing year so far. Are you feeling, are you sensing a difference in yourself and, you know, when you I think people think, oh, I can't take the time to stop and be still and unplug and rest. There's just too much to do. But when we do that, I mean, we're just wearing ourselves completely down. Have you sensed a a difference in yourself by making that a priority? Yes. Yes. And it's biblical, you know, because God rested, you know, he rested on the seventh day and, and we need to rest. It's, it's mm-hmm. so important. And whatever rest means to each of us to find that out, like for some it might be a, a cup of coffee outside at a nice cafe or right. others it might be walking in nature. You know, I love walking mm-hmm. in nature. You know, I love reading, you know, um, spending time with my family. But just all of those activities which bring joy and peace are essential because if we, we can't pour from an empty cup, you know. Right. And just for the realisation for me that God allow is allowing me to rest. He's encouraging me to rest. Mm-hmm. And I find that when I'm recharged, it's just life is just so much better. Yeah. yeah. Makes all the difference in the world. Mm. Well, Meredith, I can't thank you enough for your time on this very early morning yeah. for you um, in Australia. Uh, I just really appreciate you getting up super early to have this conversation with me and I've so enjoyed getting to meet you and hear more about your story and I hope that we'll have an opportunity to connect again sometime yes. soon yes oh thank you Becky it's just been absolutely wonderful I could chat with you all day <laughs> we'll find another time yeah. for sure so all right thank you so much thank you God bless thank you for listening to the Rising Above Ministries podcast If you like what you hear, please take a minute to leave us a rating and review. This helps others like you find our content more easily. You can learn more about how Rising Above Ministries is encouraging the special needs community by checking out our website at risingaboveministries.org or by finding us on Facebook and Instagram. We look forward to connecting with you.